What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the Tennessee Titans convincing 45-26 to victory over the Indianapolis Colts. You know, Tennessee and Indianapolis traded blows to start the game. But once Tennessee kind of stepped out of trading blows and kind of pulled away, from Indianapolis, it was all over. Tennessee pounced on them, got up big, especially with that touchdown before halftime. And that's exactly where Tennessee wants to be, absolutely. They want to get up on someone. They want to pound the ball. They want to use Derrick Henry. And they obviously got to do so today. When that happens, Tennessee is able to control the ball. They're able to do exactly what of they want to do and at a certain point they kind of took the air out of the ball and really just ran the clock out on the Indianapolis Colts and on the Colts side they just didn't have the personnel to be able to make that type of comeback the way that they're set up so it was a pretty predictable situation once they got down that Tennessee would continue to run them over You know, usually I start with the quarterbacks for a team, but with the Tennessee Titans, I think you have to start with the running game. And Derrick Henry was getting downhill today. The line did a great job of putting a hat on a hat and letting Derrick Henry get down the field and run with the ball. You know, there's a lot of times he's four or five yards down the field before he's even getting touched. And if you let him get that much momentum going down the field, people are going to start making business decisions for themselves as far as trying to tackle that guy. There was plenty of business decisions. There are plenty of business decisions made today, absolutely. But it was impressive how much push that the Tennessee Titans got and how well they schemed up blocking the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, they'd seen him once before this year, and they're a division rival. It's not anything new for them necessarily. So Tennessee did a good job. And you wouldn't have thought it had gone that way with their last meeting, and they were able to kind of bottle Henry up a bit. But today, they didn't have any answers. And, of course, you know, it wasn't all just Henry. There were some bad penalties that extended a couple of drives. There were just some things that got Indianapolis down that they couldn't get back up from. And You know, it played right into Tennessee's hands. They didn't have to push Ryan Tannehill. They didn't have to push the offense too hard. They can kind of sit back after they got the league and let them do what they need to do. So it goes to show you this is kind of what a perfect Tennessee Titans game goes like in their mind. So you want to be cognizant of that, that this is what they're trying to do. And it doesn't always work. Obviously, there's a couple of clunkers in Henry's games because he doesn't catch as many passes. So that's a problem when you're not running as many routes throughout the season. It kind of makes you a little bit more dependent on the run. But unlike Josh Jacobs, they're a little bit more committed to Henry and doing that and running the ball. So, And really, Henry is a superior talent anyway. Better situation, better quarterback, better everything for the Tennessee Titans, which has led to massive fantasy value today and throughout the year for Derrick Henry. Now, clearly, like I said, penalties helped this out a bit, got, got him a couple of extra plays at the goal line for one of Henry's touchdowns. But, man, so it would be a folly to discount that going down the stretch, especially when a couple of things are going to happen and it seemed like Derrick Henry was involved more in the passing game. 
So number one, I love seeing Derrick Henry out in more routes, getting targets. Now, he didn't do a ton with it. They were obviously focused on him a good deal after he'd been gashing them with the run. But I just want to see more usage. I want to see more passes to him because if he can get out in space with these passes, those are chunk plays for the Titans offense and an offense that needs chunk plays outside of A.J. Brown. So that's a big deal for them to have that happen. And it's a bigger deal for Henry's fantasy value that maybe it gives him a little bit more insulation should they have to go to the passing attack and leave Henry out. You don't want to see that. You want to see him involved. And they just they haven't done that as much this year. But when they do, it's something that I like to see to kind of insulate him from those clunker games a bit and not have it be so boom or bust. Now, it's been better this year. Certainly, Tennessee has done a good job of focusing more on Henry, but still, I just want to see a little bit more usage there to to kind of weed those clunker games out of his lexicon, and that way we can ride him with confidence anytime. And like I said, there's going to be some things down the stretch that are going to affect him. I think the biggest thing is the schedule. So I really thought that this part of the schedule was going to be the tough part, the Indianapolis, Baltimore, Indianapolis part. And really he showed out versus Baltimore and Indianapolis to the point I was excited for him. And with Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay coming up for the fantasy schedule, owners have to be licking their chops and thinking that they've got a bunch of big weeks coming up. And Henry gets stronger as the year goes on. He looked healthy. He didn't look banged up at all. He looked to be running strong today. And having him running strong on the teams that I listed there certainly could be a big boon to fantasy owners. Not that you were ever thinking about stopping riding Henry throughout the playoffs. It's just really exciting to see those matchups. And with Cleveland being a little bit lower than what they've been on defense at this time, it makes me excited for that matchup as well, more than I would be on a given day. Now, part of what has pushed Derrick Henry into this stratosphere is the addition of Ryan Tannehill last year. You know, I know he doesn't provide a high ceiling as far as his passing goes, and the lower volumes kind of push him down a bit into the quarterback two, quarterback three area. And while, you know, there's worse starting options out there, especially with A.J. Brown as far as your two quarterback leagues go, Hopefully you were able to aim a little higher. You didn't got, get caught up in Carson Wentz or something like that. And you have a better situation than Ryan Tannehill. But I'll tell you, I do like him. It's just the, there's something up when they have to put the ball all the way on his shoulders and they have to throw the ball and the defense knows it. But he's athletic. There's so much focus on Henry. He's able to pass the ball. And when A.J. Brown is doing what he's doing for the offense, it's a big boost of value for him. I just don't see with the lower volumes of the passing game that it's going to be something I want to count on outside of best ball leagues at this point. Because he'll have some blow-up games, and he's probably going to have to have some games where he does throw the ball. But it does seem like it's setting up a little bit more for Derrick Henry down the stretch than it does the passing game. So you probably weren't counting on Ryan Tannehill in the first place unless things have gone catastrophically wrong. And he did score a rushing touchdown today, which I really liked. He has speed. I wish they would use him a little bit more, you know, running the ball. While it's not anything that I would want to see, you know, it's not Josh Allen. It's not Kyler. It's not Lamar. It's not any of those things by any means, but he's not slow. So I'd love to see him take advantage of some of the field in front of him a little bit more. 
We'll see if he can do that. But the touchdown was a nice add today on that read option. I'd love to see a little bit more of that from them, especially when they crash so hard on Derrick Henry and on those plays. You know, despite the lower passing volumes, A.J. Brown still managed to get his. It's really incredible what he's doing with these lower targets. And while it does make me a little nervous as far as his production goes, you can't deny the talent. The dude is a beast. He's so fast and big. He's running through tackles. He's running away from people. When he gets an open field, he is absolutely one of the most dangerous receivers in the NFL. I love his game. And if he was in a higher passing volume offense, I would be targeting him outrageously. Now, I'm starting to think because he has so many boom plays that people are seeing the highlights of that he may end up getting overdrafted next year. I don't see with Derrick Henry in tow, the Tennessee Titans changing anything about their game. As a matter of fact, I see them gearing up to go bigger on it. And while they might lose Corey Davis and that might increase the passing volumes for A.J. Brown, I just don't like that for his consistent fantasy value. And while you're definitely starting him, I'm curious to see what happens during the draft year and how he gets drafted. Do people push him up into the second and third rounds? Do they try and buy high on the upside? Or do they realize the volumes might not be there and he ends up slipping more to the fourth, fifth, and sixth round? So I'll be interested to see how that plays out for them. And, of course, with the way he's going and the way he's breaking plays, I I don't think you can step away from him. You just got to realize that there may be a bust day in there if they're not forced to pass the ball. Now, while I'm probably not counting on Corey Davis for all the reasons I mentioned for A.J. Brown, I have to say that I really like the way that he has played this year. And I think with a move to another team, he's going to show he's going to be a bargain for someone. I just wonder what kind of contract he's going to take and what the interest level will be, because it hasn't been a dominant stretch, especially for a receiver taken that high. A.J. Brown absolutely has more talent, but Corey Davis absolutely has NFL juice. And I got to think that with the team switch, he's going to offer something. So he's going to be somebody I'm probably going to be buying as a buy low situation in best ball leagues because I absolutely think he has NFL juice. And had he had a more voluminous passing situation in his career, I think they would have picked up his option. I think we'd be looking at a different situation. But for Tennessee, it doesn't make sense. So Corey Davis will likely be on the market and we'll see what he's able to get out there because I kind of think with more volume, he's going to be able to produce. Now, something else that was kind of troubling to me today is the Tennessee Titans use of Jonu Smith. Jonu has a bunch of touchdowns and I love his game. He's fast. He moves around the field well and he can block. I just don't get the way the Tennessee Titans use him. I mean, not targeting him, keeping him in as a blocker all the time. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you're using Jeff Swain in that role. Makes me question the situation overall. Obviously, you know, you've kind of been riding the touchdowns, and that's a huge deal for tight ends. But it's just really hard to trust them the way they've been doing their business. So it's concerning. I don't know how it's going to play out, and that makes me not want to risk it, even with the tight end market being the way that it is. So curious decision. You know, I I worry about Mike Vrabel having some Patriots in him as far as his decisions for fantasy football. The Patriots aren't afraid to go against the grain when it comes to targets and carries on a game-to-game basis. And I got to think, if it wasn't Derrick Henry involved, 
that there would be a lot more mixing around of the running backs uh, of Jeremy McNichols and Deontay Foreman, which both have made it complicated to say who would get the carry should Henry go down, heaven forbid, because they've both been in there at times. Looks like to me, Foreman would probably get the carries in between the tackles, and then they'd use McNichols more in the passing game. So they'd probably be a pretty heavy split from what I'm thinking should that happen. But heaven forbid, uh, Derrick Henry has consolidated all the values he can. And if he can discontinue to get more pass catches, look out everybody else for the rest of this year. Let's switch over to the Colts. You know, they traded body blows with Tennessee for a while. But once they got down, and really throughout the game, Phillip Rivers struggled to throw the ball down the field. You know, he did connect with one long pass for T.Y. Hilton. But other than that, the passes outside of 20 yards were pretty sparse. But after that, there wasn't a pass above 25 yards that was completed. So it is an issue as far as the Tennessee Titans were able to creep up, you know, play more people in the box, stop the run because Phillip rivers wasn't able to threaten them as much down the field. So all that short passing, they love to do all the check downs, all the runs, all the different things that Indianapolis likes to do got shut off by Tennessee and their game plan. So when Phillip rivers is fluttering balls down the field, when he throws them up there, it's just not a recipe for success for this team Honestly, I'd damn near like to see them go with Jacoby Brissett, even though he didn't show a ton this year. And for Phillip Rivers' fantasy value, just to go ahead and undercut everything else, they keep putting Jacoby Brissett into the lineup at the goal line. And he got two touchdowns, which sapped all the value out of the running backs, as well as Phillip Rivers. So, Because, I mean, if he could have gotten those touchdowns, I mean, that's four touchdowns for Phillip Rivers versus just the two and the yardage that could have pushed him a lot further, even though I can tell you that the stats, even though they look okay from a volume standpoint and from a yardage standpoint, it was not a good game for Phillip Rivers. He was all over the place. He's definitely washed, and he's a statue back there that they can kind of tee off and go after. So he's just kind of reached the end here. And while the team has pieces and has talent, they just need to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. I don't think Jacoby Brissett is going to take them anywhere either. And they've won too many games to be in the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. As a matter of fact, they look like a playoff team sometimes. But against Tennessee, when they were pressed to throw the ball, when they didn't get up and they couldn't run the ball, it was just a disaster scenario for the Colts that they couldn't dig themselves out of. And then Tennessee kept ramming the ball down their throat. And despite the late comeback to make this look a little closer once Tennessee had backed off a bit, it still wasn't pretty. And it's still not look something I'm looking to invest in at this time. You know, maybe Phillip Rivers is your quarterback too, and maybe there's enough garbage time overall for him to be able to produce, but it's not something I'm talking about betting on, especially with the talent level where it is, and with Indianapolis just not being able to establish the run like they did last year. So definitely something I'm staying away from down the stretch, absolutely. You know, maybe you've got him as a quarterback three in your best ball and he has an explosion week, but I don't think that's something you're going to be able to predict. So. Really, for Indianapolis, I'm more worried, can their defense screw things up for the teams that they're playing down the stretch than I am what the Colts are going to do in those scenarios? 
Now, the Colts have Houston next week, Las Vegas, Houston, and then Pittsburgh. So that's not a bad schedule. Now, Pittsburgh, obviously, at the very end, that's a killer. So if you get to the championship and then you're still counting on these guys, that might be a problem. But other than that, having Houston twice and then a Las Vegas team that kind of got beat up a bit, I don't see anything wrong with that as far as the first part. It's just I don't think that Phillip Rivers has the talent to really make me want to start him over people in those scenarios. So maybe you're thinking about getting cute in a two-quarterback league against Houston. I could see you thinking that. But at the same time, I just don't know that Phillip Rivers has enough left in the tank for that to be something that I'm betting on going forward. And really, that kind of trickles down to the rest of the offense as well. More, more T.Y. Hilton and the receiving options than anything else. You know, T.Y. got loose on the big play and caught his first touchdown of the year. Fantasy owners have to like that. But I got to think you didn't have him in your lineup if you're in a year-long league. It was more the best ball owners that finally got something out of T.Y. Hilton this week. You know, I don't think anybody was counting on him to be a top 20 wide receiver, but at the same time, you had some hope that adding Phillip Rivers would give them a little bit more juice on offense, but it kind of seems to have done the exact opposite where it's letting people get closer to the line of scrimmage and it's stifling everything that this offense had going. So I'm not really hopeful about T.Y., about Michael Pittman, although they both have still have NFL talent and they both look fine. It's just with the way the offense is set up, I don't see that being a situation I'm banking on, even with Bradley Roby being suspended from the Texans and them having the, the rest of that secondary to deal with. They might get loose on that, but I don't know if it's something I'm going to have a lot of confidence in for the playoffs especially when Tennessee hasn't been a world beater on defense. They definitely have pieces and they got up and they were able to play their game, but man, it just was a very discouraging performance for Indianapolis. And I got to think they're disappointed. Certainly the defense was also not quite as good without DeForest Buckner in there. So we'll just have to monitor Indianapolis to see what they do. Can they still slip into the playoffs? What happens down the stretch? And uh, really it'll be interesting to see what they do against Houston twice as well. Now, as far as fantasy value goes, there was something interesting about this game. I did like the usage of Naheem Hines. They gave him the bulk share of the carries. Now, Jordan Wilkins hurt himself a little bit during the game, but came back. So he didn't get as many carries as he probably would have given full health. But I like the way they had Naheem Hines as the first man up, as the first guy to get carries and to get touches in the passing game as well. So while they used Jordan Wilkins a little bit more than I would have liked for Naheem Hines to really produce running back to value, I do love that he is their main pass catching back, that Phillip Rivers loves to check down to him, and that that may be a situation to work with going forward. So we'll see what they do about Jonathan Taylor. We'll have to monitor the health of Jonathan Taylor going forward. We'll have to see what the health of Jordan Wilkins is going forward. And I got to think Naheem Hines is probably already owned to this point anyway. But you know I'm a big proponent of having your running back, catching passes. That kind of keeps him out of the fray either way. And that's what Naheem Hines is doing. The only issue I had with the situation was they took out Phillip Rivers and put in Jacoby Brissett, and it kind of had a Taysom Hill to Alvin Kamara type effect where, you know, if had Naheem Hines gotten those carries, he probably would have put them in too. So 
you know, having two touchdowns milked away from you by the backup quarterback certainly hurts. So it makes me a little bit less excited about Naheem should everything kind of keep breaking the way it's breaking. But at the same time, he's got to be rostered. You're probably thinking about him as a flex, you know, should everything kind of stay status quo. You just want to make sure and monitor everything for the rest of the week. One final thing, it does look like Trey Burton has caught the eye of Phillip Rivers. So in a desperation situation at tight end, you may look to that. Now, I'm not claiming that this is going to be a tight end one all day, every day, every week, but there's probably worse options. And when they're not working in Moali Cox and Jack Doyle the same way, I think that's something I would monitor because Trey Burton does seem to make good, big plays for them, and they do seem to have a way about using him. I think that's what Chicago was trying to get when they signed him as a free agent but never quite got there. He looks healthier now than he ever did there. So we'll see if that can continue. But like I said, there's some terrible tight end situations out there. And if Trey can continue to consolidate more of the targets from Doyle and Moali, I think that's a situation to monitor if you get desperate. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. And of course, if you've gotten to this point and you haven't downloaded yet, download the podcast. Let me know you're here because apparently it's not listens, it's downloads. So let me know you're here. Let me know you like the content. Check out the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm making videos about these games to kind of give you a visual of what I'm seeing so you can see it for yourself. And of course, take the information, go out there, win your leagues with it, and have a great rest of your day.